Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ podcast, a free agency edition of the podcast. My name is Mark, I'm your host, thank you for joining me. Not a ton happening in the free agency for the Bulls at the moment and I guess that's not really a surprise given that the team traded away Jimmy Butler a few weeks ago. Any dreams of acquiring a big name in free agency pretty much went out the door as Jimmy Butler did so it's been fairly quiet for the Bulls but thought I'd record a show anyway and take you through what the Bulls have done in free agency at the moment, what they're likely to do going forward, and, and just, to, just to talk about how the Bulls have approached this free agency period. Joining me today, I've actually got uh, Nils and Mitch from the Bulls show on online, and if, you've, if you're listening to my podcast, chances are you, you would have heard the Bulls show before in prior years. The guys haven't necessarily uh, recorded a podcast in recent times, but I'm hoping this podcast here can maybe spur them into getting back together and, and getting the Bulls show up and running again. So I thought it would be cool to to give you my opinion as well as getting Mitch and Nils to sort of dissect the Bulls off-season with me. So uh, without further ado, thanks guys for joining me. What's up? Glad to be here. What What is this, a podcast? We're, we're on a podcast again? <laughs> yeah, we're about to talk about the Wolves for 45 minutes. I am so pumped. <laughs> yeah, Wolves HQ <laughs> I'm turning this into. But uh, yeah, it's been a while, I guess, since you guys have podcasted and that's kind of the reason why I wanted you to, to uh, get you both on because I noticed you guys haven't recorded for a while and I thought it would be fun to get you on here and um, if nothing else maybe rekindle that podcasting magic that you guys definitely had previously but um, it, yeah I thought it'd be fun to talk balls regardless so uh, thanks for joining me Mitch last time on, that we spoke I'm pretty sure it was on the Dennis Podman podcast and I think we got you on to talk about Derek Rose being traded to yeah. at that point so i only get you on when yeah. something huge happens <laughs> or when shit hits the fan basically so and, and that's what we're looking at at the moment so yeah, yeah. if mitch is your go-to bulls consultant then you you got to step your game up with the contacts it's <laughs> definitely my go-to definitely my go-to when um when bad stuff happens i guess so you, you gotta mark you gotta expand your network buddy <laughs> well, i'm working on it i'm working on it but, uh, yeah look I guess I, I sort of did a solo pod last week covering the Butler trade, but 
it's sort of we have to revisit it again in this episode of the show as well because can't really sort of talk about free agency without I guess taking into account what happened with the Butler trade and again it was a solo podcast that I did so it'd be interesting to hear what you guys thought of the of the Butler trade and you know whether it was the right move what you thought about the the return that the Bulls got all those sorts of things so yeah what, what did you guys think of the trade itself um well I was driving to um North Carolina for a family reunion I think it was like a Friday right or Thursday and uh, I almost ran off the road. I, I almost <laughs> killed my family uh, when I saw the tweet because I ran off the road. Uh, I was prepared. Wait, you were, tweet, you were the, tweeting while driving? <laughs> no, the tweet came up. Uh, oh, no, the text came up. Somebody texted me, like, what do you think of the trade, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. So I went on Twitter. I checked it out. And then, yeah, I almost swerved off the road and killed my family. So what do you guys think? <laughs> Uh, I, I was uh I was in Boston for a bachelor party right when the trade went down and I was uh I was like on hour six of a, a twelve hour bender drinking some whiskey. So I, I my my feelings were already numb um to that point and I kinda was expecting the worst. I mean you, you kept on hearing about things, uh, you know, rumors and you didn't know what to take with a grain of salt and what was actually based off of facts, but I don't know, like now that we're what, a week or two removed, I felt like it was the right move if you accept the fact that the front office utterly failed in trying to build around a top 15 player. Like if you can get that out of the way, then it starts making a little bit more sense. And what I mean by that is, look, guys like Jimmy Butler, you know, two way players that are required to win a championship in this day and age uh, are and, and at the all star level are very hard to come by. And when you usually get that piece, he usually try to build around that piece. Um, and the fact that the front office failed to do so and shipped him off, and that's even before we get into the return, um, you know, let's get the, out of the, that out of the way first, that the front office failed. You know, most savvy front offices would have, you know, tried to build around that type of player. I mean, you look at uh, Houston with James Harden the, the year before, if I'm not mistaken, did they, did they make the playoffs? I forget. But then now they, they surround him with shooters and all of a sudden he's a top two MVP candidate. And now we see what Houston's done in adding CP3 to the mix. And I uh, had a couple more signings, I think, over the last 24, 48 hours. Like that's savvy GMing. Whereas yeah. whereas the Bulls, they, they, they couldn't do that. Um, they couldn't build around this, this you know, potential franchise player. And, you know, there's an argument there that, OK, Jimmy couldn't be the lead guy on a championship team. I get that. But even if he couldn't, you could have still, again, supplemented him with other pieces. Maybe you have a, uh, I don't know, and this is kind of far-fetched and obviously not realistic in, in the sense of w- what's happened over the last week or so. But maybe Paul George signs there next year, knowing that you know him and Jimmy are close and that maybe they can create something um, here in Chicago. But now you don't have that option anymore. So um, I'm kind of rambling here, but you know, once you get that out of the way, that the front office has failed and that they couldn't build around a top 15 player, yeah, it was the right move. Yeah, I mean, I came around to it. You know, uh, for most of the season or for most of the time when this talk was up, I was definitely uh, not in the trade Jimmy camp. Um, 
And I think as time progresses, you start to make the realization that this front office is not going to be able to do what it needs to do. You'd have to be very savvy. You'd have to be able to be very slick. You've got giant teams as the Cavs and giant teams like the Warriors um, ahead of you. So you'd have to be really good as a GM if you were going to uh, you know, be able to build around Jimmy and win in the next three to five years. And the Bulls just didn't have it. So, um, you know, trading trading him, I, I came to kind of came around to. But, you know, I, I guess we'll talk about the return. And, and, and that to me was it was it was heartbreaking, definitely in the moment. As you start to see kind of the way things are shaking out now, you start to understand it a little bit more. But it's just a shame that, you know, we turned a top 15 player uh, into, you know, three one way guys that all are kind of like got question marks. Yeah. And, and let me be clear that that when we say top 15, that's not like based on opinion. That's fact. And that Jimmy was a uh, third team all NBA. You know, th- there's there's no denying that. And when I say that it was the right move, it was the right move in the sense that the front office didn't know what to do with this guy, couldn't surround him with the right pieces and needed to blow it up. So much better to go down this path of rebuilding rather than, you know, trying to stay at a me- mediocre level and, you know, flame out in the first round like the last year. Um, so, I mean, I guess as as our, our friendly Bulls blogger and many others on on Twitter have have stated, at least they've they've picked a path and they're they're going down this this path of a rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's one of the pros for it that they've finally, I guess, picked a lane to it to a degree. But it's it's weird for me because I was definitely on board with trading Butler because I, you know, for the reasons you alluded to, Nils, like they screwed up building around him. So I thought it. They didn't really have many assets to put around him. They didn't have good players on the roster at the moment to sort of support him with. So make, making a trade now made sense. Of course, I didn't like their return, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into that in, in, a, in a second. But after seeing how free agency has started, and with it's almost been a mass exodus of all-star players from the East, Eastern Conference to the Western Conference, I'm kind of even more annoyed about it now because I'm like, if the Bulls hadn't been so incompetent in building around Butler and used their cap space wisely in 2016 and potentially even 2017 now, they could have put an actually good team around Butler in this weakened East to the point where the Bulls could have been challenging the likes yeah. of Toronto and Washington Absolutely. or Milwaukee for that third to third to five seed, I guess. So I'm even more frustrated now, but um, let, let's talk about it's the gonna be hilarious. It's, it's going to be hilarious when the Bulls end up as a six seed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pull out of the lottery. But hey, playoff revenue. That, that, that's, that's true. It's true. But um, so what? What you guys think about the return? Obviously, the Bulls getting back done Levine and pick seven, which they turned into Lowry Markkinen, and the Bulls obviously sent through to Minnesota Butler and pick sixteen. As I mentioned before, I was kind of annoyed about it, uh, and it sounds like you guys were initially annoyed about it. If I'm reading into that correctly, first off, the Bulls would have totally traded Butler straight up for Chris Dunn. Like, it's clear that the Bulls' love for, for Chris Dunn has been a year in the making, probably a couple years since they've been watching him, a four-year player. Yeah. Um, they just love this guy. And um, the trade, I think, makes a little bit more sense uh, for two reasons. If you if you kind of take into consideration that they literally think Chris Dunn um, is uh, a franchise, has a franchise-type potential. Um, and secondly, you know... It, I was kind of trying to think through like why this return was so low. And I think it's a lot to do with, you know, teams are kind of figuring out, well, it's really difficult to compete in this environment. Like, you know, take the number of teams that were to have Jimmy Butler, they would now be competing. 
right? That's a small list. You just add Jimmy Butler, they're competing. There are only many teams that, that are in that position. And then you add on teams that have assets to actually give you. This proves that the market for Jimmy Butler was just kind of really low. So if, the, if you got a small market, you're, you're, you're not going to get um, as much good stuff as you're going to expect. So, you know, you kind of understand why the Bulls didn't get a ton. Um, but it, it's just, it's just, you wonder, no, I mean, was this the I, right I time to trade? I think a little bit. There, there's some, uh, I guess, revisionist history here, short-term history. And what I mean by that is, you know, you look at the return for a guy like Paul George, Chris Paul, um, who else got recently traded that people were like, oh, maybe the Jimmy Butler deal wasn't that bad. But you forget that one, Jimmy wanted to stay in Chicago. And two, he had a really uh, team-friendly contract. And so when you have those things in your favor, you know, regardless of what the market says, there's, there's no rush to, to make that trade. You wait till the market improves for the asset that you have. At least that's my opinion. I mean, I'm yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally. Yeah, I totally agree that this probably wasn't the like you. You there was no reason not to wait if this was the best offer, but I don't know if I agree with the idea that's been popping up that maybe the Bulls could have done something more if they were going to trade him right now. If they were going to trade him right now, I just don't think there are a lot of teams banging down the Bulls' door for Jimmy Butler just because there aren't a lot of teams that get Jimmy Butler and now actually compete. Um, yeah, there's just kind of a big haves and have nots problem i think in in the in the nba right now it's, it's definitely happened in the past before in the 90s and what, what makes this trade or I, what makes the return so aggravating is, is the fact and this is well publicized that this is the same offer essentially that the bulls were offered last year yeah. the only difference is there's more data to support the fact that this is a trash offer <laughs> and that Chris Dunn had a terrible rookie season. Yep. Zach Levine is coming off an ACL tear, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm big on Zach Levine, but that that's all pre ACL tear. Uh, I mean, it was funny. I, I will when, say this. I will say this. I came back from ACL and was still putting up buckets. So I mean, there, there's, <laughs> there, there's that, you know, just, I'm just throwing that out there. I know that's a small sample size. I know, you know, I don't know. Levine's got the offensive game uh, that I do, but, I've I played with you recently, Mitch, and, and yeah, you know, I I I don't see much improvement or even getting back to the level that you once were. Which again, the bar was pretty low to start. Listen, ask Ricky, man. Ricky knows what I do. <laughs> right? Well, let me ask you this, Mitch. I mean, did you get an extension on your contract after doing your ACL? Because that's what we're looking at with Levine. He's gonna, he's going to be chasing max money in you know six, seven, eight months' time. So, oh, right. a little bit longer than that, right? Let's let the record straight here. Zach, Zach Levine is trying to achieve a level of athleticism that was a two-time dunk champion. You were trying to achieve a level of athleticism <laughs> that allowed you to make a spin move uh, down the lane. The back why, are you why, why are you such a hater? <laughs> why are you hating the kid right now? I'm, not, I'm not just being real. <laughs> but, you know, back to Mark's point, that's, that's the really kind of devastating thing about this deal, right? You feel good about Zach Levine, but the fact that the Bulls are going to be under the gun uh, having to pay out big money without the set limited data and really under duress, right? Because you traded Jimmy Butler, right? You know, people are going to be very excited to see who you, you know, who you got for him. You're really kind of under the gun to, 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 to retain Zach Levine, um, and you don't really get a true you know, you don't get to make a true decision. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. 
Yeah. Mark, Mark, I've already tried to talk myself into this return, even to the point where I was in this group chat that I'm in with Mitch. I was uh, expressing, I guess, my my excitement for next year in that obviously the Bulls are going to be terrible, but it'll be an exciting level of terrible. <laughs> and even when I was sending out those texts, I didn't really believe in them. Like it was, it was so fraudulent where I'm like trying to irrationally get myself excited for this return, but it just wasn't happening. You know, I was trying to make, you know, uh, just try to uh, just like LeVar Ball willed into existence, Lonzo ending up on the Lakers. I'm trying to will into existence, Laurie Markkinen being baby Dirk. You know, I'm trying to will into existence, Chris Dunn being the two-way player that, you know, might be just a level below Jimmy and, and Zach Levine being this high-flying scorer that he once was before the ACL tear. But the fact of the matter is this was, I guess this was just a, a great package to put the Bulls in a position to get the number one pick next year. Well, yeah, potentially. But we already, I mean, we already talked about how bad the East will be. It'll be, it'll be pretty damn tough to, <laughs> right. to tank in the East next season. But I, I guess one of the reasons why I'm not super enthused about the rebuild next season is the fact that there's probably a couple guys on the team that I would like to see be gone if they could be. That way we can fully tank it out. And and one of those guys that I'm talking about is is Dwayne Wade. And obviously he's opted into his deal now. And I, I guess to your point, I, I probably could be talking myself in terms of being excited about a young rebuilding squad. But I'm also facing the the real the, whole, the, the reality that Dwayne Wade is going to be starting for the Bulls at shooting gun. And he's just going to be, uh, going to be collecting that $24 million and I'm pretty sure he's just going to be chilling out for most of the season so I think Dwayne Wade has the ability to uh to really bring down my my outlook on the season but I mean what did you guys think about him opting into his deal obviously the the team didn't have much control over that but I thought after they traded him that maybe he may opt out again even though he sort of opted in but he's coming back do you reckon he'll be here for the entire season or or do you think he gets traded or, or bought out at some point I, I mean, who knows, right? Like, the, I you can't really trust the Bulls to do the right thing. Um, they're so unpredictable. You know, the smart thing would be to kind of, well, I mean, I don't know. With the salary, you probably can't get any assets for that guy, right? So you, nah, you just have to buy him out. And, yeah, you just have to buy him out. And, and do the Bulls want to yeah. do that? I mean, who knows? What a hero. <laughs> Dwayne Wade, man. You know, just <laughs> he has. Uh, can, can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. I mean, he just has no more fucks to give. Like he's like, you know what? I'm gonna opt in. I'm gonna make a cool 24 million. I'm gonna chill on the bench. You know, if they want to buy me out, great. If not, you know, I'm I'm living the best life with Gabby Union on my side. I'm in my hometown of Chicago. Like Dwayne Wade's my hero, and and this comes from a guy that cheated him like three years ago. But um, I would be shocked if he's still on the team come training camp. Um, I'm thinking he gets bought out. Um, but well, no, I take that back because we know how cheap, you know, this organization is. And obviously that's, that's paying a pretty penny just to have someone not play, uh, on the team. But I guess they, they ended up uh, doing that with Carlos Boozer, right? With, with, the uh, the amnesty provision, yeah. basically yeah. paying him, you know, whatever amount to not play. Um, so I guess I could see it with Wade, but Wade kind of, if I'm grasping at straws here, but Wade kind of sells tickets still right like if he's still um he, he could be the face of the franchise so to speak you know and in, in trying to generate some buzz watch Dwayne Wade the the OG lead the baby bulls back to uh I don't know a rebuild whatever the case mm. um I don't know I I I would be very surprised if Wade is still on the team 
However, I guess I could see it happening. And again, him just li- living, living the best life. And it's also kind of just indicative of how poor the Bulls' management is, right? Because, you know, I was in support of the Bulls signing Dwayne Wade, I'll admit it. And I really thought it is, this is like your lottery ticket to the banana boat, right? So, you know, you got one of the super friends and you hope that, you know, things work out uh, in a year or so or in two years or so. So you can kind of build kind of this older super team that can at least compete. And you saw, you see a couple pieces uh, out there. Uh, in Chris Paul available and Carmelo Anthony available. I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony is, a, is, a, is, a, is as great as he was before, but you signed Dwayne Wade to be a player in free agency and to kind of sign him, then tank the next year. And you're tanking because it's, it's weird because this is a team that they like. It was predictable for the Bulls to be the AC this year. So it's not like something crazy happened. And now you're like, oh my God, I have to kind of change courses. I just don't understand it. Why, why did they sign him in the first place? Yeah. What, what's insane to me is that out of all the alphas that that remain on the team, he's the one that, that is still you know under contract with the Bulls. You would think that, okay, if they made the decision to trade Jimmy, that if you were picking between Wade and Rondo to lead a young squad and mentor them, that Rondo would have been the veteran to keep as opposed to Wade. Uh, granted, it, it it was a player option, not a team option, uh, for Wade's contract. But you know, you would think with with all the reports and all the the uh, I guess stories about how Rondo was was mentoring guys, staying after practice, working on their games, and how much the 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 the, the young uh, talent on the roster had, had revered Rondo, that he would have been the the kind of player coach you would have expect the savvy veteran to kind of show all the guys the ropes. Uh, instead, you're just gonna have <laughs> Wade. Hanging out on his yachts <laughs> on on long weekends and taking a long All Star break, uh, just to to you know take advantage of this twenty four mil he's spending. And that's a good point on Rondo because, I mean, that was going to be my next point that I was going to raise anyway. But I, I, I sort of feel like I'm almost in the minority here that would have actually been okay with Rondo coming back. And I guess the Butler the Butler trade was the first big, I guess, pillar that that really had to go in terms of the Bulls off season. Um, in 2017, but I guess the first real decision that they made outside of the Butler trade was declining Rondo's team option. And for me, I, I actually didn't agree necessarily with that move. And I, I sort of, if you could trade trade Rondo for an asset and, and use his his uh his I guess his contract as a bit of an asset, if you could to get to unload that prior to July one. Obviously, the Bulls couldn't find any takers for his deal and decided to decline his option. But I felt like I was in the minority there in, in the sense that I wanted Rondo to remain with the Bulls because I'm kind of fearful now of the team going in this full, full-on full rebuild mode with Chris Dunn, Cameron Payne, and, and potentially Jerry and Grant being the team's point guards, particularly after you've gone out and get um, and drafted Lowry Markkinen with a pick seven, a guy that probably is going to need to be you know really... He's going to need someone to get him the ball in order for him to, to make some shots initially because he's probably going to be a catch-and-shoot guy straight up. So, I don't know. That's how, That was my position on it, and I felt like I was in the minority on that one. Did, did you guys agree with the Bulls declining Rondo's team option? And, and what do you think that does in terms of the development of the younger players, which is obviously going to be pretty crucial now that the team is rebuilding? Yeah, I, I, I agree with the Bulls declining the option. I think that you need to give as many minutes to Valentin, um uh, Dunn and Levine, um, and and kind of to a lesser extent, Payne. Um, 
I I I understand that the young players like Rajon Rondo, but I kind of look like Rajon Rondo is that cool stepdad that'll let you stay up late <laughs> and like drink <laughs> soda uh, and do all kind of crazy stuff. So you like him, but that doesn't mean that he's like the greatest role model. Like let's not forget that Rajon Rondo basically tried to blow up the team, and it just like, kind of happened to work out. And he was also like ba- like basketball players don't normally get fired. But he basically got fired from Dallas, and he also got ran out of uh, Boston, or there is bad blood with him in Boston. So I don't know if I want my young players learning from Rajon Rondo, <laughs> like even if they kind of like him, even if he like shows up for D League games and claps real aggressively. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, that, that's just me though. Uh, no, I th- I think you bring up a good point. Um, yeah, also no, I mean, with short sleeves. And I, I just don't want folks to learn from that. But wasn't that part? Wasn't that part of the 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 fashion statement or or the fashion convenience? I should say with having a broken thumb, having that cast. You know, you you get the cast can breathe with with short a short sleeve suit. <laughs> well, I mean, Dwight Wade pulled it off as well. So they're, they're both rocking that. But um, look, I, I completely hear what you're saying, and I hated the Rondo signing when it happened initially, and it, it's kind of weird for me to be sitting here and saying I actually wanted Rondo to remain on the team given how much look. Going back almost to, to 2009 is when I really started to loathe Rondo, given what he did to Kirk Heinrich in that Boston Celtics series, that um, that famous uh, series that we had against those guys. And uh, so uh, for that reason, I hated the Rondo signing. But so it's weird for me to have this sort of attachment to Rondo at the end of it all. But um, look, I, I understand why, why they've done that with what they've done. Nothing represents life coming at you faster than the year that we've had where I remember last year, it was either 4th of July or 4th of July weekend when the Bulls signed Rondo or at least the, the announcement was made. And I was like, what the hell are the Bulls doing? Like, what what does Rondo bring? Rondo is not, you know, the, the 3D type of point card that we need. And of course, that came shortly after we traded Derrick Rose. And then fast forward a year later and it's like... Wait, they're they're cutting Rondo. Like, I actually want that guy on our team now. Yeah. So it's it's been a very strange last year. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, I remember in the 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 Dunked On podcast, their free agent uh, preview or their mock free agent preview. They uh they signed Rondo, and I was like, this podcast is fucking stupid. There's no <laughs> there's no way the Bulls are gonna sign Rajon Rondo. That makes no sense. So stupid. Three days later, he signs. Uh, I don't know. Hey. Hashtag never forget, Rajon Rondo, undefeated yeah. in the 2017 NBA playoffs. This is yeah, true. Yeah. That's yeah. a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> Who knows what could have happened if he never got injured. We, we could have been playing the Golden State Warriors for a championship. Who knows? <laughs> Real Rob. Hey, every, every, cha- every championship has an asterisk, and we know that the Rondo injury is the asterisk to the, the Warriors <laughs> winning it. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. You can't argue against it. But um, look, <laughs> we've covered everything, I guess, that happened prior to july 1 which is the official starting point of free agency so let's look at what the bulls have done thus far pretty much as july 1 struck or as midnight um sort of opened up for free agents to efficiently sign the bulls were pretty quick and, and they got one they got a contract pretty much started um right at that point and i was kind of surprised that they would do this they, they resigned uh cristiano felicio to a four-year 32 million dollar deal as I mentioned, it was very quick. I don't know why they were so keen to get it done straight away. It was wasn't even done on the first day of free agency. It was done almost within the first fifteen minutes. They were they were obviously pretty keen to uh, to wrap Felicio up. But um, what do you guys think of this deal? For me personally, I thought it was good value. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. But I guess it's fine. But um, what what are your thoughts on Felicio and and 
you know, in terms of his role moving forward as well as the deal that he received from the Bulls? Uh, I like the deal. I just think that, you know, you know, we talked last year when we were thinking about the the Rose trader, and a lot of folks said that if things don't work out, you'll be able to get get rid of Robin Lopez. I think for this deal to really work out, you really need to find Robin Lopez a good uh, another home. Yeah. He's a very good player. Uh, he was well worth the contract in a vacuum. Uh, but the Bulls are are there is a lot of competition for tanking in the Eastern Conference. And if you're going to sign uh, Feliso to a four-year, $32 million deal, I think that you need to really uh, show him the minutes. Uh, so I like this deal, um, but I really do think that the Bulls need to think about what they can get for, for Lopez. And I think it's going to be a tough – it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to move him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high – go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I'm pretty high on Felicio, a.k.a. the Brazilian Shaq. Um, <laughs> but – I'm going to defer to you guys on whether this was a good value or a good deal or not, because honestly, with the fluctuating cap, and I know that it's back down to 99 mil, but I just have no gauge anymore of of what you know is good value versus not. I mean, we, we're seeing some ridiculous contracts. I know that Steph Curry is just inked a 200 million dollar deal, which is actually underpaid for his, uh, you know, uh, level or, or status. But all these other mid-tier to lower-level deals, like I just, I have no idea. I mean, they, they, they it just seems like a lot of money. So, so like Amir Johnson signed for like eleven million dollars a one-year deal. Uh, Todd signed for I think fourteen million uh, for two years or twenty-eight million, fourteen a year. Snell signed for what? He signed for like well, eleven or twelve million a year, pretty much. Eleven or twelve million a year. So like, it seems like kind of in the, the range, not a not a crazy deal. And I mean, you need to spend the money. I mean, you're not going to be spending a lot of money on free agents. Obviously, if you're the Bulls, you need to be retaining, you know, under 27 talent, seeing what you got, and, and moving on from there. So, you know, I'm I'm fine if it's a little bit of an overpay because uh, yeah. you want to see what you got. So, so you, I guess the way I thought about this deal is it, the, the deal that he has signed is almost pretty much the equivalent of the the full mid level exception. So, if you think about what the previous cap was, it's probably an equivalent deal to maybe say a $5 million contract to the cap we're sort of used to thinking about, which is okay, I guess, for a backup center. But um, Mitch, you sort of touched on a point there about Robin Lopez, and I'm pretty sure on that Derek Rose podcast that we did last year, I was kind of harping on about how uh, the Bulls would be able to move Robin Lopez. And since then, I think it's been pro- I've been proven incorrect. I think they're going to have a tough time moving him now. But I think that sort of... You know, and the, just, wait the mar- the market isn't great for the white Bill Russell. <laughs> not not. I mean, not he, great at the he single handedly won. I th- I felt like he was a, a ins- played an instrumental role in uh, winning a couple Boston games, but then uh, that was until Boston exposed him on his pick and roll defense. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, again, who knows what would have happened if Rondo was there? Maybe he doesn't look. <laughs> maybe maybe what you what you refer to him? the white Bill Russell? Maybe he doesn't look too bad. Yeah, the, but um, yeah, he was beasted. Then, he but was then again, they're pretty undersized. Yeah, exactly. But I think this value, or the, the Felicio contract in terms of its value, I think it changes if he can become a starter. So if you can have a starting center making $8 million uh, a season, that that's really good. But that all obviously is dependent on what they do with Lopez. If they can offload him or if they can't, then he's going to be around for next season, probably the season after that. So it almost depends on what Felicio develops into, whether he can develop a, maybe a three-point shot, maybe if he can get better 
uh, a better IQ defensively and, off- and offensively as well. If he can do that, then I think he's going to pretty much live up to this contract. But even then, four years, $32 million, as you sort of alluded to before, I think, Mitch, you need to pay someone, particularly when you're a rebuilding squad. Most of your, uh, most of your players are going to be on rookie contracts. You need to fill fill out the roster with someone. So, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a too bad of a deal. And, and I guess another talking point that we... <laughs> Quickly, uh, quickly should mention is the fact that the Bulls weren't able to reach an agreement with Michael Carter Williams. He's uh, oh, off to oh shit, <laughs> off to Charlotte on a one-year, two-point-seven million-dollar deal. Obviously, don't want to spend too much time talking about Michael Carter Williams, but uh, maybe fifteen seconds from you each um, as to what you thought of that one. I'm pretty sure you both oh, going to say thank man. God he's gone. I remember when the Bulls started three and zero last year. And then MCW went down with, I think, an ankle injury or maybe it was a wrist injury. And they started losing him like Michael Carter Williams. He's the piece we need. Uh, And uh, yeah, that was a little premature. Mills, I got a quick question for you. You put you and Michael Carter Williams in an empty gym in a shooting contest. Who wins? I think it's pretty close. I think it's close. (laughs) But uh, just because MCW gets a little bit more reps, um, um, I'll give him the edge. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, man, was he such trash, but I almost like feel bad for him because it was like to the point where like if, if he, he sent out a tweet, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before where like he was like, you know, on the Charlotte, whatever, thanks Chicago. And the mentions, I'm like, oh man, like let, let the man go with dignity. Like, like people are like, I hope you never come back. <laughs> like, it's like, chill. Like he's still, a, he's still a, a person, but man, it was, it was rough there. I mean, the, the corner threes that just hit the side of the backboard or the, the even the threes from the top of the key that like would bank it. Didn't he have like a bank in three in, in the first round against Boston? And I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck? He definitely had a three in that Boston series where he turned around after he made like one of his rare threes. He turned around to the bench and started yapping to the bench. And at that point, I'm just like, just, just shut up. Just you know, you yeah. made a three. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky's yeah. on your side. Just, just, just right. And the crazy thing about is that this is the same dude who, if you remember, a few years back in the Bulls Bucks first round series, he Barry was posted. He was posting up like Aaron Brooks and Derrick Rhodes and just like owning them like because of just his his, his sheer height. And man, talk about a fall from grace. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think that he might want to think about like a position change. Like if he were to be like a small forward, like I feel like that might help him out a little bit. You know, he can guard multiple positions, but just to be like one of the main shooters in the starting lineup is just difficult. And, you know, playing with Malik Monk and Kimball Walker, that might help him a little bit um, in terms of, you know, be able to kind of be a bigger guard, uh, not have to do so much shooting and ball handling. But, man, that, that dude. <laughs> and I, not to spend too much time on this tangent, but, like, I'm not sure what, what the Hornets are, are doing when, you know, you, you basically are going to be running an offense of a, a Kemba, Dwight Howard pick and roll. You need – spacing and shooting and so now you got michael carter williams and and michael kid gilchrist um on on the perimeter maybe they're just trying to you know uh, monopolize players with three names but it's it's (laughs) i don't know what they're doing and and how they're going to space the floor with with that kind of shooting on the perimeter well i suspect mark carter williams is not going to be playing many minutes i mean i I think that he'll he'll probably be playing behind you know monk and 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 walker so you know and gilchrist so that, that dude, he just seems like 
he has the the ideal, I guess, body for an NBA player, right? He has length. Yeah. He he's he's a guard. Uh, he can defend. He's not a bad defender, but I don't know, man. That that guy. He, he goes. Isaiah Thomas would beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anyways, we've probably spent like two minutes too long on Michael Carter Williams. I probably shouldn't have even brought it up to be honest. With you, but, uh, I thought it was a, an interesting talking point. But um, pretty much just before we started recording, maybe an hour before, the Bulls actually made a signing as well. So they signed Justin yeah. Holiday to a two-year, nine million deal. Obviously, that's going to change the landscape greatly. Uh, bringing in a 28, 28 year old swingman into a rebuilding team. But um, what, what are your thoughts on that one? It's, it's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. I, personally, I would have preferred Ben McLemore, but uh, they've gone after Justin Holiday, a known commodity that he was obviously previously a ball before. So hence why they're probably targeting him. But um, what do you think of this one? I've been YouTubing a Justin Holiday I'm Coming Home mix, um, but it <laughs> has uploaded it yet because I, I expect uh, a hero's welcome when uh, the, signing, the signing is made official. I've always liked Justin Holiday. Yeah. I, I remember... Um, when he was part of the Derrick Rose trade, I, I it was half jokingly uh, I tweeted, and Justin Holiday's part of the deal too because I actually wanted to keep him because again, when I think about the NBA in this day and age and, and the landscape, and you look at the, the the finals and how the only way to compete, and obviously the Bulls are are light years behind being at that level, but you at least need pieces where you have two way players, you know, your your quintessential three and D guys, and I feel like Justin Holiday, you know, may may not be a starter. Uh, have the talent of a, a starter at this point, but he can grow into that. I mean, he's he's pretty young, and he showed me enough, at least with his first stint with the Bulls, that you know he can defend, he can shoot. So I'm I'm all in favor of the signing. I just think it's funny that uh, Drew Holiday signed for 115 dollars more, 115 million dollars more. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Like they were meant to be apparently a tandem. So obviously, um, yeah, that right. was the reporting. Wherever Drew was going to go, that's where Justin was going to go. So I was actually surprised to see, him, or surprised to see him one being drawn interest by the Bulls, but two signing with the Bulls. So I thought he, I just assumed he would go to New Orleans at, at some points, but um, he hasn't. He's uh, he's he's come back to Chicago, and I guess they needed someone that could play on the wing, particularly at small forward, because at the moment it's pretty much just Zipser and Valentine, which isn't ideal, <laughs> even for a rebuilding squad. There's not there's not a lot of talent right there, but I guess Wade could uh, spend some minutes at small forward as well if once Levine's back. But yeah, they they definitely needed another wing, and I think for you know four and a half five million dollars a year, that's that's good value. I, I will say this is such classic Bulls scouting, right? Like yes. if either yes. either you have a connection to Iowa State or yeah. you used to play on the team. And I feel like this this was a nationwide search for wings, and they're like, oh, that just wasn't he on our team before? Yeah, let's sign him. Yeah, exactly. It was like the reasoning behind signing like the second round, uh, trading the second round pick. They're like, well, listen, we only looked up about fifteen guys on NBA Draft <laughs> and uh, Draft DX. So after those fifteen guys were signed, uh, we we basically didn't care. Look, I yeah. mean, that, I laughed then, but it's it sh- I shouldn't really laugh. It's not funny because you're probably damn right, and that's kind of disappointing. Hey, but huh? we we, yeah. we laugh because the only alternative is crying. True. Yeah. True. But I mean that that was a minor move on the periphery there, adding adding Holiday in, and obviously, based on what the Bulls had done prior, we, we should, probably shouldn't have been expecting much more. But I guess all that's really left to ask in terms of what the Bulls are going to be doing in this free agency is, I guess, what they're going to be doing with Miritich. So there hasn't really been much noise on the whole Miritich um, 
contract discussions where they're at. I haven't really seen anything being reported apart from the fact that both teams are obviously keen to keen to stay with each other, but Miritic hasn't necessarily gone out and signed offer sheets with anyone else. The Bulls haven't offered him a contract as such. So at this point, I guess it's sort of, yeah, we don't really know what's happening. And it's almost contingent on what happens with Otto Porter and Contavious Caldwell Pope and the, and the rest of the restricted free agent market. But uh, I think that's what we're going to need to see in terms of dominoes falling before Miritic signs. But I mean, he's probably the one of the most divisive Bulls um, that I can remember in, in recent history. Uh, I, personally, I want him to stay, even if it means, you know, potentially trading him later on. Uh, I think letting him walk would be a mistake. But what, what are your thoughts on on bringing back Miritich? Is it the right move, or should we be just giving all the minutes to uh, to Portis and and, and Markkinen at power forward? Yeah, I, I'm on Team Take a Palooza. I, I think you know I've had my problems with Nico. Uh, I, I know that Neil hates him more than I do. Uh, he can I get all the way out of here. Like, <laughs> MCW wants to take him to Charlotte, by all means. Um, I, I think that that he just doesn't make a lot of sense on this Bulls roster mm. uh, being a decent NBA player. Like I, I, I would be uh, and, and a guy not in the age range the Bulls are really looking for. So he's 26. He's not super old, but like I think the Bulls need to go younger. Um, I'd only be signing him if there was a thought that you could somehow down the line do something with his with him and and, and kind of move him for somebody else. But I, I wouldn't. I, I I loved his service here. His, well, I shouldn't say I loved his service here, but he <laughs> served here admirably. But I, I'd be moving on. Did he even admirably? Did he? he I did. feel I like mean, that first Tibbs year, like people were ready to let go of Tibbs just off his treatment of Nico. Like people were letting it spray for Tibbs yeah. because he wasn't letting Nico go. Yeah, no, that's true. But um, look, I, I I agree with you that Miritich doesn't necessarily fit a rebuilding squad, particularly now that he's entering his prime. It's a whole bunch of younger guys and a couple older guys. He's pretty much the only guy maybe apart from Holiday as well, that are in that age bracket where they're in their prime at the moment. And I guess that doesn't necessarily make sense, but I think it would be bad asset management to just let him walk for nothing, particularly when yeah. they were trying to trade him at the trade deadline. They they couldn't get it done. They kept him, and then all of a sudden they're saying, oh, we want to keep him. But then to now let him walk if he's, you know, if he, if he signs a deal that you're not comfortable with, I think that would be a mistake. But... You know, it wouldn't be the end of the world necessarily if they do let him walk, but I think it would be bad asset management to do so. It's, it's just incredible. I was just going to say what? that it, it's just incredible that this was a guy touted as, you know, uh, an offensive threat. And by the end of last season, he was better defensively than he was offensively, and his defense wasn't even that great. I mean, he, he used to, you know, he used to be known as a one way player or was regarded as a one-way player meaning offense but towards the end of the season like the only thing he, had, he could really produce on the court was his defense um so i don't know he, he doesn't do much for me anymore i mean I, I tried to jump on the nico bandwagon early and quickly jumped off when i realized there wasn't much he was going to give us yeah it'll be interesting to see what the bulls can do i mean 2018 2019 if they don't retain nico um if they can somehow let go of robin lopez like they basically will have to re-sign Levine, but that's like their only salary above $5 million. Like they're going to have a ton of money and it'll be very interesting to see whether the Bulls will go full tank of Palooza 
or will the Bulls kind of, you know, have one bad year and then be right back in it in terms of free agency and signing kind of, you know, the B tier free agents that they've been great at signing, the Carlos Boozers, the, you know, Paul Gasols of the world. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. And, and I guess it's, it's probably, it's, we'll use that point and we'll, 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 um, we'll, I guess we'll build on to it. But what do you think the Bulls do from here on out? So I think one of the things I think that they should be doing is um, taking on some bad contracts for some picks, some, some, some other assets, maybe some younger players. So rather than trying to spend and get themselves up above the cap um, this season when they're clearly rebuilding, I w- I'd like to see them hopefully uh, have you know maybe 10 to $15 million in space, maybe a little bit more. That way they can uh, take back a contract and, and maybe receive a pick back. But what do you guys think in terms of other moves that the Bulls will, will make? There's probably not much more they're going to be adding in terms of players. Maybe Joffrey Liver and they, they offer him a contract, but he's really the only one outstanding apart from Miritich. But is there any other external moves that I guess catch your fancy in terms of what the Bulls could be doing or should be doing, I guess? I mean, I think they should really be looking for reclamation projects, right? They should yeah. be looking for guys uh, that are young, uh, that have been kind of cast aside by one or two teams. You know, Ben McLemore would have been a perfect example of that, mm-hmm. of, of guys that you kind of just give another shot, uh, see what could happen, and, and maybe you find yourself uh, a, a guy like maybe like, you know, I'm, I'm trying, what's a good example? You know, Beasley gave people some good minutes last year, gave the Bucks some good minutes last year, uh, a, a, a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that, that's why I kind of started talking myself into this rebuilding uh, project with, with this iteration of the Bulls. Because when you think back to like the Tim Floyd days, you know, the, the cornerstones of that rebuilding effort were, were Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. And it, if Hoyball is everything that we're expecting it to be or what it was once touted as, you know, it and we're finally getting the hashtag younger and more athletic uh, assets or pieces to the roster. Like at least we'll see guys just gunning and throwing up shots. And even though we're, we're going to be shooting for 120 points a game, we'll probably give up 150. Um, but you know, uh, reclamation pro- projects, I don't think there's a, a better way to put it. So I'm with Mitch there. Yeah. And look, I mean, names that I've thought about, uh, uh look, Ben McNamara was my main guy, but unfortunately he's been signed by, uh, by Memphis today. Pretty much just as, as Justin Holiday was signed, so I would have liked to seen the Bulls gone for Macklemore instead of Holiday, but maybe a guy like KJ McDaniels as well. He's twenty four, I think. I think he would be an interesting prospect to to sort of take a, a flyer at. Not not too keen on a guy like Shabazz Muhammad, but again, he's I think he's twenty four as well, and he's he's been cast aside by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he probably doesn't make a lot of sense, and I wouldn't be too excited about the Bulls going after him. But I guess those are the sorts of players that they should be taking shots on um, from a free agency perspective. But even from the trade market as well, if, if there's some if there's someone uh, buried in buried in the rotation on in, on other teams, I'm not, not necessarily referencing this guy right now, but previously someone like Archie Goodwin maybe a year ago, maybe that's someone, mm-hmm. um, that type of player, yeah. which we would have taken a flyer on. But it's kind of, it's kind of strange to see what the Bulls are going to be doing because for whatever reason, I saw a tweet flying around today that the Bulls were somehow linked to Dion Waiters. <laughs> and I see that move and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a bit of a... Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I mean, he would be a reclamation project, but this just doesn't make sense. So I'm hoping like that one... I feel like he's all level above. I felt like he was rec- rec- reclamated last year. He did have a good season, Miami. clearly no one's, no one's trying to sign him, I guess. So. 
Yeah. I know that Nick Young was was uh, on the verge of signing with uh, the Warriors, or at least has been linked to the Warriors. I'd I'd be here for the Nick Young era. It would be fun. It would I, be fun. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the the immediate moves the Bulls make if they do make any quote unquote big moves would be to buy out Wade and trade Robin Lopez and let's just overhaul this entire thing. Yeah. Uh, and let, let's assign a Nick Young or Deion Waiters and and you know, uh, get get the popcorn ready. <laughs> Well, I mean, that look, it would be fun. <laughs> Don't know how productive it would be, but uh, it, would, it would certainly, <laughs> certainly would be fun. But uh, thinking about it more holistically, what, how long do you think the Bulls will be in this rebuilding period? Because uh, I've, I've seen a, you know varying opinions on this, and, and I've seen a lot of people sort of mentioning that the Bulls should be obviously embracing, you know, maybe a three a three year type rebuilding period, trying to attack the draft lottery for uh, you know in that top five range for a three year period, but it just seems like the most anti-ball thing to do. And, and the way I'm thinking about what they're going to be doing is maybe sort of tank it out next season, try to get a top five pick, and then from there get their guy that they can sort of sell to the fan base and from there try to bring in some crappy veterans that can get the roster back up towards, I guess, 41 to 45 wins and get back in the playoffs as soon as possible. But am I being a bit of a uh, contrarian there or am I, or am I being too down i guess on the bulls prospects or, or are they going to see this thing out hinky style and really um really tank this out for three to four years no way the bulls <laughs> the bulls will be bad for one year yeah and that money will be burning a hole in their pocket uh that's just not the bulls way the bulls want to compete um the bulls want to get that playoff um you know money i i, I just don't see it the Bulls are going to tank until they convert a 1.7% chance of winning the draft lottery. <laughs> because honestly, if they if they did not secure that back in 2008, was it 2008 or 2009? Um, I mean, we, we, we could be on year 10 of a rebuilding project right now. Yeah, it's a fair point. So I don't know. I, I just have, I have, I have very little faith in, in the Bulls front office. I feel like they're going to be as bad until either they secure a number one or number two pick, or there's finally uh, turnover in the front office. Well, I mean, speaking about turnover in the front office, I'm sure you guys have seen the whole um, the the fire Garpax billboard. Have you guys contributed? I saw that shirt. There was some dope shirts. I have not contributed yet. There's a donations, or they're taking. Uh, it's a GoFundMe. <laughs> I think they're they're trying to take donations to get a billboard up in Chicago and. To um to plaster the has- hashtag fire gar packs on there, but um, <laughs> not too sure how effective it would be. But uh, it, it's definitely a, a it's definitely a strategy, I guess. I would have contributed by now, but I've allocated all my funds to 2017 uh, NBA champion Warriors memorabilia in gear. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> uh, riding hard on that bandwagon. Um, you know, uh, I, I've as as some of my friends and family know, I'm I'm basically raising. My son is a Warriors fan. Uh, given that, I just want him to bullshit. have. I, I just want bullshit. him to have a better childhood than I did. And oh, granted, the Bulls aren't winning six championships anytime soon. I want him to experience that happiness that I experienced as a kid. And so, the only way to do that is to make him a Warriors fan. Ride out oh, this, uh, this not one, not two, not three. Can we in the podcast? <laughs> can I get off now? Can, can I get off? We out here. <laughs> well before you do before you do jump off i wanted to get your opinions on um on some other teams that you will be watching because there will be times throughout next season when the bulls will be 
pretty tough to watch. Um, let's be frank about that, particularly if they're running out lineups where you've got Wade and Zipser and maybe Miritich and Lopez on the on the court. That'll be pretty uh, brutal to watch, particularly when they should be rebuilding. But what what are some other squads that you'll be watching come next season? So uh, we'll be obviously keeping an eye on the Bulls, but I think there's going to be some pretty exciting teams next season. Nils, you've obviously mentioned the Warriors, and you know you're, you're trying to bring that into the family, and everyone will be uh, watching that team. But who else will you will you be watching next season apart from the Bulls? God, there's so many like I don't, I don't want to say good teams, but just intriguing teams right now. Yeah, and I, I obviously. Uh, I'll defer any analysis of the Minnesota Timberwolves to to Mitch, but I'm going to start with with the process coming to fruition here yes. in Philadelphia. I'm very intrigued by by this lineup that they're going to roll out with Fultz, Redick, Simmons, Saric, and, and Embiid. Obviously, it's all their success is all dependent on you know health, but. Um, at least on paper, I, this this seems like a, a very young and exciting team that I'm going to be uh, interested to see how they do. Because I was granted it was only what 31 games that Embiid played on played in last year, yeah. um, but in those 31 games, I was uh, very impressed and and definitely you know um, a fan. And so uh, I want to see how that pans out if he can stay healthy and and have the Sixers uh, uh, make the playoffs. Uh, I'm super ex- I'm super excited about Houston. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I uh, you know, I, I'm in the. I don't think it's a minority anymore, but I've always enjoyed uh, a James Harden. I've enjoyed his game. I think he has the best vision in the league. Uh, he reminds me of me with the type of vision he brings. <laughs> in basketball. Um, so the bringing James that. Has a jump shot. What's again? James Harden has a jump shot. So how does that remind you of you? Listen, I said the vision, all right. Um, okay, so. And to bring it, and to bring in another guy like Chris Paul, like another guy who's a domineering point guard like me, uh, I just, I'm very excited to see uh, what's going to happen. I, I I just love that team. I love the ingenuity they bring to the game. I love how they just look at basketball differently. And for everybody to say like, ah, oh, it's not going to work out. I just, I mean, this team has constantly reinvented itself, um, and you know. He and Tony uh, and Maury have constantly just kind of pushed the the limits about what we think about basketball. So I think it's going to be super exciting. I suspect that they're going to be the second best team in the basketball this year. You know, you know what really sucks going into this upcoming season: the, the shift in the balance of power between the East and the West, and how you know uh, a lot of people have done the analysis. I think ESPN had tweeted that you know out of the fourteen players in the league the top 14 players 13 of them are now in the west uh paul Millsap just joined denver uh that just uh came through my twitter timeline me being old and washed up like i'm gonna be trying to spend more time watching western conference games but it'll be tough because as i was saying being old and washed up it's so late in the evening that i won't be able to like stay up like I'll probably pass out during halftime of a lot of Western Conference games. Mark, I know that's not an issue for you being halfway across the world. <laughs> yeah, no, not for me. Yeah. What is it? You're going to get like prime Western Conference games at like noon during your lunch break. Yeah, um, much, which I'm going to yeah. be super jealous of. But over here in the states, where we have to stay up till nine, nine thirty, past midnight, just to catch a full, full game out in the West, it's going to, it's going to be tough to stay up when that's when the best basketball is probably going to happen now this upcoming season. Well, I mean, jump on the process then. Uh, and of course, Timberwolves, they pretty much play the same time as the Bulls. So you'll have no excuse there. So um, you can jump on the, on Tibbs. 
and obviously Taj now joining Jimmy Butler in, in Minnesota. So I think that'll be a that'll definitely be a team a lot of Bulls fans will be watching. I'm sure. Mitch, can you give us your uh, Timberwolves prediction and at least you know uh, right now knee jerk reaction on what playoff seed they get uh, out in the I, West? I think they'll be the sixth seed. Okay, I, I like how you're tempering a little bit your expectations, but I, that's that's totally fair. I did not like the Rubio trade, or not really trade. I guess the Rubio trade and then Teague signing. Uh, again, you know, ball domineering point guards. Love those guys. So to get rid of Ricky Rubio, uh, I thought was uh, I understood it, um, but I just I don't like the feed with uh, the fit with Teague. I, I think that's a little strange to me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Teague would have been one of my top five point guards to sign when you still had George Hill. Um, Kyle Lowry, I know that he was he was always going back to Toronto, but he was still out there. And there were a couple more that I thought were just better fits in terms of you know three and D guys. Who, when you have a lineup of Wiggins, Butler, and Towns, all you really need is a guy to facilitate the offense, not be so you know ball dominant, and be able to hit the open three. Um, T wasn't, and Jeru uh, Holiday was also on the board before they signed Teague. Um, so I'm just surprised that the, that they they went in that direction, but you know we'll see yeah, how it works out. And, 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 you know, I don't even know if you really need. This is kind of strange. I mean, I think we're moving to the place of positionless basketball. Like, I'm not sure you needed like a traditional point guard in that role. Like, I, I, I you know, I know Tibbs is more of a kind of an old school guy, so that was always going to happen. But I think you could have kind of looked at that position a little bit differently. Look at that just like a kind of a guard spot, and not particularly signed a point guard when you have you know Wiggins and, and, and Butler that can handle the ball and, and see what you do with the four position. I mean, that's a fair point. But uh, also, I mean, to counter that, po- small, quick point guards in a Thibodeau pick and roll, they generally do pretty well. I mean, if John Lucas can, uh, if he can excel on the Tibbs, I'm pretty sure Jeff sure. Teague will be, uh, who we should be yeah, able to uh, fit in under there. But I think the real upside with the Wolves is the fact that they're going to be good and that's going to make me very happy because I can get to shit all over um, CB Fred on Twitter. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> the best My favorite all of Twitter. <laughs> My favorite most Twitter rivalry, you and CB Fred. <laughs> it's just crazy. It is so amazing. I love it so much. I'm here for it. He gets so angry. <laughs> well, look, I mean, that's probably going to be the highlight of my season next season. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to I, that. Shout out to Fred. I shout love Fred. Fred. He was a supporter, big supporter of the Bull Show. One of the early adopters. So Fred's awesome, man. Yeah, he's a good guy. But uh, look, look, that's pretty much all I wanted to touch on. I think we've sort of pretty much covered everything Bulls related anyway. I don't think they're going to be doing too much more. After signing Holiday, I guess the only remaining outstanding point is Miritich, but uh, we'll see what they do there. But look, I really appreciate you both joining me, particularly that Sunday night over there for you guys. So um, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun for me and hopefully it could uh, trigger you guys maybe to getting into to podcasting again. I know it's been a bit of a time there, but maybe um, maybe you get that itch back after doing this show. Man, it was it was uh, like riding a bike, but uh, no, I, I, we appreciate you resurrecting us from our uh, from our dormant uh, podcasting days. I don't know if we're we're still about that life, but uh, this this felt good, and uh, it was fun to talk balls again. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, like I said, I uh, appreciate you coming on, and any any time you want to come on, jump on. If it, if it's not the Bulls show, then you're more than welcome to come on here. But uh, yeah, thanks again. Appreciate Talk it, later, Mark.
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.